0: Chapters Twelve through Fourteen of *A House of Gentlefolk* by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve. After burying his father and entrusting to the unchanged Glafira Petrovna the management of his estate and superintendence of his bailiffs, young Lavretsky went to Moscow, with a he felt drawn by a vague but strong attraction he recognized the defects of his education and formed the resolution as far as possible to regain lost ground in the last five years he had read much and seen something he had many stray ideas in his head any professor might have envied some of his acquirements but at the same time he did not know much that every schoolboy would have learned long ago lavretsky was aware of his limitations he was secretly conscious of being eccentric the anglomaniac had done his son an ill turn his whimsical education had produced its fruits for long years he had submitted unquestioningly to his father when at last he began to see through him the evil was already done His habits were deeply rooted he could not get on with people at twenty-three years old with an unquenchable thirst for love in his shy heart he had never yet dared to look one woman in the face with his intellect clear and sound but somewhat heavy with his tendencies to obstinacy contemplation and indolence he ought from his earliest years to have been thrown into the stream of life and he had been kept instead in artificial seclusion and now the magic circle was broken but he continued to remain within it prisoned and pent up with himself it was ridiculous at his age to put on a student's dress but he was not afraid of ridicule his spartan education had at least the good effect of developing in him a contempt for the opinion of others and he put on without embarrassment the academical uniform he entered the section of physics and mathematics robust rosy-cheeked bearded and taciturn he produced a strange impression on his companions they did not suspect that this austere man who came so punctually to the lectures in a wide village sledge with a pair of horses was inwardly almost a child he appeared to them to be a queer kind of pedant they did not care for him and made no overtures to him and he avoided them during the first two years he spent in the university he only made acquaintance with one student from whom he took lessons in latin this student Mihalevich by name an enthusiast and a poet who loved lavretsky sincerely by chance became the means of bringing about an important change in his destiny. One day at the theatre, Machalov was then at the height of his fame and Lavretsky did not miss a single performance, he saw in a box in the front tier a young girl, and though no woman ever came near his grim figure without setting his heart beating, it had never beaten so violently before, the young girl sat motionless leaning with her elbows on the velvet of the box the light of youth and life played in every feature of her dark oval lovely face subtle intelligence was expressed in the splendid eyes which gazed softly and attentively from under her fine brows in the swift smile on her expressive lips in the very pose of her head her hands her neck she was exquisitely dressed beside her sat a yellow and wrinkled woman of 45 with a low neck and a black headdress with a toothless smile on her intently preoccupied and empty face and in the inner recesses of the box was visible an elderly man in a white frock-coat and high cravat with an expression of dull dignity and a kind of ingratiating distrustfulness in his little eyes, with dyed moustache and whiskers, a large meaningless forehead and wrinkled cheeks, by every sign a retired general. Lavretsky did not take his eyes off the girl who had made such an impression on him. Suddenly the door of the box opened and Mihalevich went in. The appearance of this man, almost his one acquaintance in Moscow, in the society of the one girl who was absorbing his whole attention, struck him as curious and significant. Continuing to gaze into the box, he observed that all the persons in it treated Mihalevich as an old friend. The performance on the stage ceased to interest Lavretsky. Even Machalov, though he was that evening in his best form, did not produce the usual impression on him. At one very pathetic part, Lavretsky involuntarily looked at his beauty. She was bending forward, her cheeks glowing under the influence of his persistent gaze. Her eyes, which were fixed on the stage, slowly turned and rested on him. All night he was haunted by those eyes. The skilfully constructed barriers, were broken down at last he was in a shiver and a fever and the next day he went to Mihalevich. from him he learnt that the name of the beauty was varvara pavlovna Karobin, that the old people sitting with her in the box were her father and mother and that he Mihalevich, had become acquainted with them a year before while he was staying at count n's in the position of a tutor near moscow the enthusiast spoke in rapturous praise of varvara pavlovna my dear fellow he exclaimed with the impetuous ring in his voice peculiar to him that girl is a marvellous creature a genius an artist in the true sense of the word and she is very good too noticing from lavretsky's inquiries the impression varvara pavlovna had made on him he himself proposed to introduce him to her adding that he was like one of the family with them that the general was not at all proud and the mother was so stupid she could not say bow to a goose lavretsky blushed muttered something unintelligible and ran away for five whole days he was struggling with his timidity on the sixth day the young spartan got into a new uniform and placed himself at Mihalevich's disposal the latter being his own valet confined himself to combing his hair and both betook themselves to the korobyns chapter thirteen varvara pavlovna's father pavel petrovitch korobyn a retired general major had spent his whole time on duty in petersburg he had had the reputation in his youth of a good dancer and a driller through poverty he had served as adjutant to two or three generals of no distinction and had married the daughter of one of them with a dowry of twenty-five thousand roubles he mastered all the signs of military discipline and manoeuvres to the minutest niceties he went on in harness till at last after twenty-five years service he received the rank of a general and the command of a regiment then he might have relaxed his efforts and have quietly secured his pecuniary position indeed this was what he reckoned upon doing but he managed things a little incautiously he devised a new method of speculating with public funds the method seemed an excellent one in itself but he neglected to bribe in the right place and was consequently informed against and a more than unpleasant a disgraceful scandal followed the general got out of the affair somehow but his career was ruined he was advised to retire from active duty for two years he lingered on in petersburg hoping to drop into some snug berth in the civil service but no such snug berth came in his way his daughter had left school his expenses were increasing every day resigning himself to his fate he decided to remove to moscow for the sake of the greater cheapness of living and took a tiny low-pitched house in the old stables road with a coat of arms seven feet long on the roof, and there began the life of a retired general at Moscow on an income of 2,750 rubles a year. Moscow is a hospitable city, ready to welcome all stray comers, generals by preference. Pavel Petrovich's heavy figure, which was not quite devoid of martial dignity, however, soon began to be seen in the best drawing-rooms in moscow his bald head with its tufts of dyed hair and the soiled ribbon of the order of saint anne which he wore over a cravat of the color of a raven's wing began to be familiar to all the pale and listless young men who hang morosely about the card tables while dancing is going on knew how to gain a footing in society. He spoke little, but from old habit condescendingly, though, of course, not when he was talking to persons of a higher rank than his own. He played cards carefully, ate moderately at home, but consumed enough for six at parties. Of his wife there is scarcely anything to be said. Her name was Kalliopa Karlovna, there was always a tear in her left eye on the strength of which Kalyopa karlovna she was one must add of german extraction considered herself a woman of great sensibility she was always in a state of nervous agitation seemed as though she were ill-nourished and wore a tight velvet dress a cap and tarnished hollow bracelets the only daughter of Pavel Petrovich and Kaliopa Karlovna, Varvara Pavlovna, was only just seventeen when she left the boarding school, in which she had been reckoned, if not the prettiest, at least the cleverest pupil and the best musician, and where she had taken a decoration. She was not yet nineteen when Lavretsky saw her for the first time. Chapter 14 the young Spartan's legs shook under him when Mihalevich conducted him into the rather shabbily furnished drawing-room of the Karobians and presented him to them. but his overwhelming feeling of timidity soon disappeared in the general the good nature innate in all russians was intensified by that special kind of geniality which is peculiar to all people who have done something disgraceful the general's lady was as it were overlooked by every one and as for varvara pavlovna she was so self-possessed and easily cordial that every one at once felt at home in her presence besides about all her fascinating person her smiling eyes her faultlessly sloping shoulders and rosy-tinged white hands her light and yet languid movements the very sound of her voice slow and sweet there was an impalpable subtle charm like a faint perfume voluptuous tender soft though still modest something which is hard to translate into words but which moved and kindled and timidity was not the feeling it kindled lavretsky turned the conversation on the theatre on the performance of the previous day she at once began herself to discuss machalov and did not confine herself to sighs and interjections only but uttered a few true observations full of feminine insight in regard to his acting mihalevich spoke about music she sat down without ceremony to the piano and very correctly played some of chopin's mazurkas which were then just coming into fashion dinner time came lavretsky would have gone away but they made him stay at dinner the general regaled him with excellent lafitte which the general's lackey hurried off in a street-sledge to DuPres to fetch. Late in the evening Lavretsky returned home, for a long while he sat without undressing, covering his eyes with his hands in the stupefaction of enchantment. It seemed to him that now, for the first time, he understood what made life worth living all his previous assumptions all his plans all that rubbish and nonsense had vanished into nothing at once all his soul was absorbed in one feeling in one desire in the desire of happiness of possession of love the sweet love of a woman from that day he began to go often to the Carobians. Six months later he spoke to Varvara Pavlovna and offered her his hand. His offer was accepted. The general had long before, almost on the eve of Lavretsky's first visit, inquired of Mihalevich how many serfs Lavretsky owned, and indeed Varvara Pavlovna, who, through the whole time of the young man's courtship, and even at the very moment of his declaration, had preserved her customary composure and clearness of mind varvara pavlovna too was very well aware that her suitor was a wealthy man and kleopa karlovna thought meine tochter macht eine schöne party and bought herself a new cap end of chapters 12 through 14